Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. y'all it's your girl dr shonda and you are now listening to the paging dr shonda podcast listen i know that my energy is through the roof right now and you can probably feel it through these airwaves as you're listening on your way to work or listening in the gym or wherever else you're listening but i want y'all to know i i I want y'all to feel the energy that i have today i want you to feel how excited i am because not only will I be talking about this Kanye West documentary that has literally been taking social media and Netflix by storm, but I have a very special guest with me. And this guest will be joining live from Chicago. That's right, y'all. He is a Chicago native and he also happens to be a clinical psychologist to help us analyze behavior. And he also happens to be a hip hop expert. He has a curriculum related to hip hop and black mental health pertaining to black people. And he just so happened to be the president of the Association of Black Psychologists in the Chicago campus. Y'all know how I feel about ABSI, Associations of Black Psychologists. Stand up. I love y'all. But before we get into this topic, I want to give y'all a shout out. That's right, y'all know we start every single episode with a shout out. Those of you who are typing it in inside of Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening to your podcast or on the YouTube. I want to give my girl, Lene, a shout out. She frequently she frequently shows love on the YouTube channel whenever we're going live. So this is for you, girl. And I definitely appreciate your presence. Don't forget, y'all. So we launch our episodes every Wednesday morning, but on Wednesday or Thursday night of the same week, we have our video vodcast drop. That's right. So you can tune into the video podcast. You can tune into uh, myself or myself and a guest uh, talking and interviewing another um, guest of the show on the YouTube channel. So make sure that you are listening to the YouTube channel. You're watching it. You're subscribing. You're commenting, doing all that you need to do to support. Speaking of support. Okay. This is what I need y'all to do. I need you to grab your phone text podcast to 21000. That's podcast to 21000. That is where you will receive all the updates that you need to receive regarding the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast. I'm telling y'all, I got some things lined up that you don't want to miss. If you miss it, listen, that ain't nobody else's fault but your own, period. Like (laughs) nobody else's fault but yours. Um, Because I'm telling you now that you want to be signed up for this. I promise you, I got some things in the works. One of the things I have in the works, you can literally sign up for now. I want you to start, I want you guys to um, join the wait list. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be launching our uh, Paging Dr. Shonda private community, our VIP community. You guys tell me every single week about how special this podcast is to you, about how helpful it is, about how, you know, you feel inspired, you, you're, you feel like you're learning stuff, you feel educated, you feel like it's really pushing you into a new direction in your life. Now that I pushed you with the, you know, this content, I want to give you a little bit, a, a little bit more of a push throughout the week, right? So you're only really hearing from me once a week, but if I add just a, just one more podcast out there, I feel like that can help you get you to your next level in life. So I'm going to start releasing bonus episodes. I am going to be releasing, drum roll please, the Paging Dr. Shonda Patreon is going to go live very soon. So I just want you guys to sign up for the waitlist so that you can get that email. You can get uh, that notification when we do go live because I promise you these bonus episodes are going to bless your life. Uh, I noticed that you guys really... You guys really um, gravitate more toward like the 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 faith and mental health type re- related uh, podcast episodes. So we're going to have bonus episodes and we're going to call them our Sunday services. Uh, there are going to be other types of podcast uh, episodes out there, but the main ones that's going to happen are is going to be the Sunday services where we talk about faith and mental health, specifically topics related to faith and mental health. Well, what do you mean, Dr. Shonda? There are so many things related to faith and mental health that I just haven't had a chance to really get to because so many current events are happening, um, Netflix documentaries that I want to talk about on the podcast. So in order to get all the information out that I really want to get to you, 
I decided I'm going to release them in bonus episodes. So I want you to sign up for the waitlist for the bonus episode so that you can stay in the know. All right, y'all. So if you're listening to this podcast, you know how we do. We are going to, uh, I want you to screenshot this episode, screenshot it, put it in your story. Um, whether you're watching the YouTube or you are listening to the episode on uh, your the audio platform, I want you to post it in your story and tag me. Some of you guys, you post it, but you forget to tag me. I really appreciate every single post, but I would like to repost you so that you can get the recognition you deserve for being an avid supporter and listener of the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast. Without further ado, y'all, we're going to go straight into this conversation because I promise you, you're going to get your life. Dr. Abari was saying some things that really gave me the chills. So I'm curious to hear how you guys are going to react when we break down and unpack the psychology of Kanye West. Y'all ready? All right, cool. Uh, Dr. Abari, can you please join me? Okay. <laughs> and we are live. So I'm Dr. Shonda. You're Dr. Cartman, right? Yeah, you can call me Dr. Obari. Dr. Obari. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for being on the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast. How are you? Of course. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's definitely a pleasure considering what we're going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you who are listening to the audio version or if you're watching the video, I have uh, my friend here, Dr. Cartman, Dr. Obari, who will be helping us to kind of dissect uh, this Kanye documentary. Um, but before we hop into that, you know, you know that we start with the Hot Off the Press segment. So for those of you who've been listening to this podcast for quite some time, the Hot Off the Press segment is basically us talking about mental health in the culture and in the news. And so this week, I wanted to address a specific article that is relating to Black male suicide and how deaths have risen amongst Black men. Um, and the article basically correlated the deaths being associated with being bullied, um, racial discrimination, and a host of other things. And so, Dr. Cartman, as a Black male psychologist, I'm wondering, uh, what is your perspective on this? No, it's a real problem. Um, And it's something that we are addressing in the field. And when I say addressing, I don't always think we do it well enough. Mm. Like, addressing has meant panels and podcasts and discussions about it. What I think we need is much more grassroots, community-based interventions that look like creating space for Black men to gather, to heal, to share, to process, to unload, to relieve the burdens. I mean, we know that everybody's going through a lot of stuff. And I think that it's important to have mental health spaces that are specific to the the experiences people are having. So Mm -hmm. I think there needs to be targeted opportunities for Black men to talk about that, the Black male identity, the Black male space, the ways in which we have unique challenges and, and, and to see each other experiencing them in the same way so that we don't feel alone, so we don't think that everybody's got something figured out that we don't just because we scroll in all the day and we think that everybody's cool. Yeah. Um, There's just a part of masculinity that has has trained us to sort of keep stuff inside and to hold mm-hmm. it together and to, and to posture like we're doing well. Um, and the numbers, the, the, the suicide numbers are catching up to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I love how you you said like the, you know, the, the things in uh, podcasts and just panel discussions like that's cool, but that's not really mm-hmm. getting to the root of the problem. I think yeah. there's a huge difference between bringing awareness to something versus Absolutely. providing intervention. With yeah, 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 yeah. And the conversation is good. We got to have the conversations because the awareness Absolutely. is important, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I appreciate the moment. We just, particularly us in the field, mm-hmm. um, and, and I mean, really anybody, any caring adult that feels like they have a listening ear or a heart for for people. Um, needs to be creating space so that young people can come and be mentored and, you know, just be honest. We need we need space, particularly men, men need space where we can really be fully honest. Um, you know, we, we call it the vulnerable. And I, I think vulnerable is a part of it, but I, mm-hmm. I lead with just to just be honest. Let's just, you know, keep it a buck. Keep, it, keep yeah. it real for real. Like, keep it real for real. Like, how you doing? And that's, that's really, that's the space we need. We need mm-hmm. a space where you can honestly answer that question. How are you actually doing? Because um, I know what it's like to have to, just do the rote, like, no, I'm cool. I'm chilling. Just, just one day at a time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm grateful. I mean, we have, we have, we have responses to the "how you doing" question that never really give us a space to actually answer that question. Mm. We need that. We just need a space where we can just do that. Yeah. That part, you know, I, I feel like there are probably men listening to this podcast who can mm-hmm. direct directly relate to what you're saying right there, right? So, yeah. especially those moments where you know someone asks us like how we're doing as men, um, and how society has. Um, you know, like you said, they they posture men to to be in this 
uh, realm of needing to always be okay and to present mm-hmm. themselves as being fine and being strong. Yeah, um, yeah. That that's kept a lot of people suppressing how they mm-hmm. feel. So you know, I love what you're saying about creating those spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for your insight on that. So, Dr. Abari, uh, the people yeah. need to know who you are, what you do, uh, what you contribute to the field. So, like, let us know. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Um, so I'm a uh, clinical and community psychologist. Um, did my training at Hampton University, then Georgia State in Atlanta, and came back home to Chicago, where I'm from, um, really just to give back and to connect to the people that, that made me, that created me. Uh, I came here from Chicago from a lot of institutions, uh, African-centered, culture-based institutions. And so a lot of my work merges that upbringing, celebrating Kwanzaa's, playing drums, and then going out, learning mental health, and now trying to integrate that into the same, you know what I'm saying, spaces. So I do drum, drum circles. We do comedic yoga for men. I do a lot of stuff with hip-hop. Um, so a lot of my work tries to try to 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 bridge that access problem we have. So, I, you know, we I love the podcast and the panels and, and the tweets, and, and people are talking about mental health in a way that is really, really encouraging. Right. Um, but the distance between people saying now I'm open to it and being able to re- receive services in it is yeah. wider than I'm comfortable with. And exactly. so uh, a lot of my work is really trying to figure out how to get where people at um, and train people like the barbers and the coaches and the fathers to okay. really be able to raise their level of emotional intelligence and confidence to be able to hold space to, to have conversations, uh, to really give the, the work away, to not yeah. hold on to this expertise because, you know, there's capital involved and me being the only one in the, in the city that could do a thing. But Absolutely. I think we had a, we had a moment where we, we are struggling and suffering. So a lot of my work looks at trying to think about this most larger expanded notions of what healing can look like and where it can happen and uh, whether, whether we call it therapy or not. Right. Um, so I spend a lot of time on that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's that's really dope. So so I would identify you as like a, a gap stander. Right. So, Mm, yeah, yeah, Yeah. like being that person in the community and in uh, like clinical psychology Mm -hmm. who who is trained in these interventions. Therefore, I can provide these interventions that y'all are talking about um, that can help to kind of close this gap between, as you stated, like the the intervention versus like um, just having the discussion about it and being Mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. Yeah. Can you go ahead? I'm sorry. No, I'm saying that's real. That the gap standard. I I, I, I would do that. Yeah. Okay. And so for the people who don't know, can you explain to us like what a community psychologist is and uh, how is that different from a clinical psychologist? Mm-hmm. Great question. So community psychology as a field was born out of really a lot of clinical psychologists that were doing work and were kind of frustrated with the level of impact that we were able mm-hmm. to have. Um, this is the idea that if you, even the best therapy um, if you just do one-on-one therapy, one at a time, and you give people the medicine that they need, whether it's psychotropic or whether it's breathing, and then you get them to think better and to navigate the system better, but then stick them right back into a community that's broken, then you'll be spinning your wheels. And so community psychology as a field looked at those broader levels of influence, communities, schools, politics, um, uh, structures, right, like societal values, those things, how those things impact individual functioning and try to intervene at that level. So it's very much like sociology or public health, where we have broader scopes, but uh, we spend more time not just sort of analyzing, but really trying to change things, social change um, in in that way. I I love that you're doing that, though, because uh, you specifically, being a Black man, Mm -hmm. right? Because I feel as though your interventions are probably, well, not probably, they are different um, in that you're of the culture, therefore you know what we need, you know, right, what right. well, too. Um, so I know you said you do work with like hip hop and mm-hmm. uh, your, you know, all those things. Like, I, I want you to kind of like talk about um, 
especially your work with ABC in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think you're yeah. The president. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what's yeah, that like? president of the Chicago Association of Black Psychologists is hey, the local hey. chapter of a national organization that for 50 plus years has been investigating this this question. What is it? What does mental health for black folk mean specifically? Because yes. um, we hear, you know, we I got a PhD in white psychology. I had to learn Freud, Skinner and Watson and had to be read a bunch of old white men to help learn what the healing looks like and how to define people. But um, and I can't I couldn't go back to Chicago with that. I, I, that. That did not help me do the healing that's needed on the south side and the west side of, of my city. Um, and in a large part, my analysis looks at what the harm was done. And part of that was removing us from our culture. Mm-hmm. And so if I understand that wow. slavery was the trauma, then what do we lose during slavery has to be a part of the treatment. We have to regain. We have to reinstore. Uh, reinstate those things that were taken from us because that's where the power in the medicine was. So I can't go to America to ha- to solve a problem that they that they that they caused, right? Um, I can't that's use okay. these theories if that's the thing that created the the the, the sickness and the trauma in the first place. So uh, ABC is the organization that's really guided me a lot towards understanding the the richness of of medicine in Africa and African rituals and principles and values and understandings, and that that being the center of what psychology means for me. So we've been you know, studying what does it mean to be human for, for thousands of years, right? The 16, 19 moment was a blip in the radar, mm-hmm. but we got to go back to look at those things that we, now we lost, like we didn't lose them, like we forgot, like we were, it was, it was removed from us, it was stumped mm-hmm. out of our memory. And so that trauma has to be restored through the culture. Like it's got to, it's not a, a fringe thing. It's not an alternative thing. It's at the center of what healing looks like, reconnecting us back to ourselves and the, and the cultural aspects of it um, are central to my work. I love it. I love it. Listen, I'm also a member of products of AB Size, so I directly. Nice, nice. Uh, yes, I, I, I love AB Size since 2017. I've been a member uh, while I was in mm-hmm. grad school. Okay. Um, so it, it's been an amazing experience, and I can really attest to what you're saying. Like. Yeah, we learned about white psychology in, in mm-hmm. school, but when it comes to being in D.C., like I can't mm-hmm. go into a room and like th- implement Freudian's uh, yeah. perspective. Right. So, right, so right. you know, being able to kind of be um, culture centered and acknowledging yeah. what helps for our people in terms of, yeah. um, you know, how we function and what helps us like that's important. That's why I think there's m- a definitely a need for more black psychologists like mm-hmm. people and not just culture. like black faced right not just yeah. black looking but like black through and through at the foundation Ooh. so can you, can you talk about that difference can you can you go a little bit further i mean so like even if you just focus on race here in america uh race a racial analysis just has us thinking about what white people did to us we were yeah. responding to slavery and to jim crow and to redlining and to police brutality uh, but culture and 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 being being black philosophically, being having black analysis, reading black books, mm-hmm. having black art in your space, not just having black skin so you can fill right. a quota. That's what I mean. The difference is that some people just just you know look black and connect to whiteness, right? Uh, that have been trained in the same ways that we've all been trained in, okay. but at their value system, at their core, they 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 define success by their proximity to whiteness, white things, white people, mm-hmm. white systems. Um, and that person could do more harm than good if you don't really know where they're coming from and what their intentions are. Mm. Dr. Avari, I'm getting chills right now. Just just thinking about that. Like, uh, mm. that's such a, a powerful concept. Um, I was talking to uh, my homegirl, uh, Dr. Afia, and she was saying like, mm-hmm. the difference between yeah. being a black psychologist and being a, a psychologist who centers blackness. Yeah, right? That's right, and, right. You know, it's a huge difference between that. So I, I love how you're you're bringing that out and highlighting the importance of being a black psychologist who centers blackness in order mm-hmm. to provide that healing to our community. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'm curious to hear how you got into the work of, you know, hip hop and mental health and you're, you're an expert in that. So I thought you were the perfect person to talk about this documentary we're going to dive into. But yeah, tell um, us about well, it was really early in the training in my career that I realized there wasn't a lot of black men doing therapy in the in, in the field. Mm-hmm. And so every time I would go to a center, they would give me the boys. That would be all my work. I would just have young black men, yeah. caseloads filled day in, day, day out. And so um, from that, I wrote a book for young black men about manhood and relationships. And then from that, I would get called to come to schools and do like assemblies and come talk. And, um, okay. and, it, was, it, and, and it was very quickly also that I realized that I couldn't just come in lecturing or just, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, with my bullet points and my PowerPoints. I had to 
be engaging in a way that was responsive to their culture, to their needs. Um, and music was just the easiest way to do that. Yeah. So I would go in and ask them who they're listening to and what they like and what they like about it. And we print out lyrics and we would dissect it line by line and talk about the images and talk about the industry itself and talk about mm-hmm. the, the, the messages in the music. And um, there's lots of mental health themes in uh, most of the music that listening to Absolutely. good, bad, or ugly. And so um, I just started to use hip hop more and more and created a curriculum out of it. So I got a 12 unit rites of passage curriculum that's hip hop based, was full of music and they use contemporary artists, the stuff that they're listening to, stuff I critique, stuff that I like, stuff that I don't like, and just use hip hop as a way to facilitate conversations. Yeah. Um, it's just full of words and the rhythm. It connects to the African center stuff that I'm into too. So mm-hmm. the, the drums is at the root of it. Storytelling is a very old ancient African practice. Yep. The old tradition is ours. And so um, hip hop is just a new format for a very old African way of thinking and being. Mm-hmm. And so it allows me to sort of connect to who we are in a way that's authentic to me, to us, and to the young people that I'm working with. I love that. I love that. So so let me ask you this. So, well, first of all, are you um, like an a artist as well? Like, do you? Yeah, I used to write a little bit. Okay. Um, I used to do more like spoken word. I used to, in my brain, I'm a rapper. I'm black men <laughs> freestyle in the shower. And so, <laughs> but I never really took it nowhere. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, 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 a avid. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know what I'm saying? Fan. Uh, I'm a lover of hip-hop. I'm a lover of, of words and sound. And nice. uh, I go to a lot of live music. I go to a lot of open mics. So, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, I, I, I come at it from a position of, like, loving the thing. Nice. And being able to critique it from the inside. Because right. hip-hop is, is a different thing than what pop music is. Which I mm-hmm. think is what happens when corporations try to capitalize off of something that's beautiful and powerful. Which has happened to hip-hop over and over again. Yeah, yeah. It, it, even hearing you kind of like talk about it, right? So mm-hmm. um, I love how you talked about uh, hip hop and rap. Basically, it's it's highly correlated with uh, ancient African practice of storytelling, right? Yeah. So telling our story uh, mm-hmm. through song, through music. Um, oftentimes, like when I'm listening to a song or what have you, I have to turn my clinician ears off. Like, oh, wow, this sounds <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a trauma narrative a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, like, do you have those experiences? And if so, no, like- I keep it on. I okay. keep the clinician on so that I can talk about it. Because what we're doing in the room is if I'm getting to build a relationship with young people, one on one or groups, and then they're telling me that they in their real life are struggling with addiction or parents that have been locked up for it or violence they've experienced or all the things that are the sort of the, the themes that are popular in hip hop. And then they say, they put on a song. I was like, who you listen to? Who you like? And they play a song and it has those trauma narratives in it. Yeah. Now we get to have a discussion. Like, what do you mean you like, what, what do you like about that? Uh, what, do, do you do you like the way that it impacted you? Like there's a disconnect between how we enjoy things that have harmed us. Yes. And so hip hop just give me a lens into that, into that conversation. Love that. Um, but I always do it from the perspective of the the industry of the you know I like to I like to go look up the CEOs of companies that are promoting the labels. I like oh, to right. find out like who's in charge in charge. Yeah. So they'll tell me who they're listening to, and I say, okay, let's find out who his boss is, mm-hmm. and now we can talk about this broader conversation about the narrow scope of who he is as an artist that gets represented in the music. But if you look at his real life, the themes that he's really into don't show up in the music. If he's talking mm-hmm. just popping pills and you know, gunplay and he's talking money. Um, but in real life, he, you know, he got kids, he's married, he got grandmother, he's lost people from COVID. Uh, like, what, what's what's right. the disconnect between the performance of this art form through the corporate system that's been sort of co-opting mm-hmm. it and what is the uh, the actual true nature of what it means to be Black male in America? Right. Um, and and what, what are the ways that hip-hop can help us and what are the ways that it can block us from being able to see ourselves as full human beings so I, I I pay very very close attention to, to the lyrics that. for that. I love that perspective. So I've never done that. Like I've never mm-hmm. uh, looked into like who who the um the president of the the record company is. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think you you provided some good insight for me there as a clinician and how I can move forward and like mm-hmm. working with teenagers and such. Um, I will say so when I was in prior to me moving to DC, I did my internship in uh, Philly. Okay. And so if, you know if you know anything about Philly rappers. You can't mm-hmm. say anything about Meek Mill to any mm-hmm. like yeah, millennial yeah, yeah. teenager, nobody. So right. the pe- the uh, teens in my unit in the inpatient hospital, they love Meek. 
So yeah. I use that to my advantage. Like we will mm-hmm. have groups and kind of uh, dissecting his mm-hmm. um, his album. It was it was called Traumatized. His album mm-hmm. was called Traumatized. Yeah. And, uh, dissecting some of those trauma narratives and yeah. um, it, it can be very powerful. It can be such a powerful tool because like you said, like as black people, like we, we strongly connect to, to music and storytelling. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm really impressed with a lot of the younger rappers. Like they are, they have a lot of really in, 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 invaluable, insightful and honest content, right? Mm-hmm. They got stuff that I don't like. Right. But, but I can always find a song or two where they, they're really talking about the pain that they experienced and the trauma mm-hmm. Um, and so we get to look at all of it. We get to see the full yep. scope of who a person is. And when a rapper does it, it gives the boys in the room permission to say, okay, well, you're right. I've, I, I, I've been through some stuff too. Yeah. Um, it makes it less taboo to hear someone you look up to also say that they've been through some things that, that yeah. you connect with. It normalizes it, right? Absolutely. Like, and Absolutely. That, I, that's so important, especially when working with, um, you know, younger kids. As, as mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we're going to hop into the documentary. Kind easy, um, yes. Such <laughs> so a fascinating character. Uh-huh. He's so fascinating to me. It's such a like you can't even keep your eyes off of him. He's such a whirlwind. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you know, every day there's something a new conversation yeah. about Kanye, which is such yeah. a a testament to his I don't know the the the, the gravitational pull that he is. Right. So well, yeah, let's talk about. It. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you got it. I, I was gonna say so. When you saw this documentary, did that mm-hmm. kind of bring anything into perspective in terms of like what we what we see now and how he kind of? I did. I, I did learn a lot. I learned a lot, okay. and I've been following him. You know, I'm from Chicago, mm-hmm. so he's a hometown hero. And yeah. um, you know, college dropout came out when I was 24, so it wasn't like foundational to me for my identity and my manhood. But okay. I was a fan. I am a fan, right? Um, but but being able to to peer into the the intimate day-to-day you know I me mean, like the process of him becoming himself right. was very very enlightening like mm-hmm. we almost didn't have a Kanye like he really willed himself into existence in a way that was very inspiring to me yeah. right and I think a lot of people walked away with that like we, we a lot of people have projects or ideas or things that we want to put out into the world mm-hmm. um but there's so many points in which if he did not just force his way through, we wouldn't even be talking about him right now. Exactly. So like he really just created a, a lane for himself in a way that made me go back to like, man, am I, am I working hard enough? Like, have I taken some no's that have, have dinged me and, and disappointed me in ways that I've mm-hmm. given up or not pushed hard? I mean, like it, it made me, it, it was insp- inspirational to look at the the nitty gritty of the the grind that he had, the yeah. belief in himself, his confidence, um, and how you know if you know the, the the proof has has been in the pudding. He he, he really did the thing that he said he was going to do, uh, by you know hook or crook, as the old people say. <laughs> he did. No, he definitely did. Um, and, and you being a Chicago native, like I'm wondering, what's the vibe like right now in Chicago? Like, what y'all celebrating this documentary? Like, what are you? I mean. I mean, you know, everybody knows somebody that knows somebody. So we like seeing our friends in the documentary. And okay. we see people we know. We, 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 we reminiscing because we, we know where he's at. You know what I'm saying? We, 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 when they, we come back to Chicago, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then you like then you go down your own memory. Like, I remember where I was when that was happening. Um, so that, that kind of stuff is happening. Like, it's, it, people are saying that we appreciate seeing the story. Nice. Because cause right now it's hard to... You know, it's hard to rock with him sometimes. Like he makes himself hard to be a fan of. Yeah. But then the the documentary gives us, as people who are trying to root for him, for him a little bit more sympathy. Right. Um, so I'm feeling that I'm feeling that in the city. I'm feeling like we're like okay, we can try to be a little bit more patient because we we saw this process, yeah. for you know, in real time through the documentary. Uh, so I think it's, I think it's been helpful for that, just for some compassion around him, who he is, and some understanding more. You know, I can I can even relate to that um, mm. because, you know, I will say when some of the things that we see yeah. that he does, like it, it's it's hard to be empathetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? As, yeah, a human, as yeah. a human, right? But I think watching this documentary and some of the very um, basic human emotions that he was mm. vulnerable with, like on screen. Yeah, like that yeah. allowed me to see, like, okay, I get that. I can connect yeah. with him in this way, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I think that was just very powerful in the way in which they um, conveyed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, you agree with it, me? That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I agree completely. 
Yeah. And so like, um, so I was transparent with you. I said, I, I did half my homework. I didn't do all of it in mm-hmm. <laughs> that um, I'm not finished the series yet. But what I am, uh, what I did see and also kind of like doing research on different articles and reviews on this, um, mm-hmm. people kind of labeled his journey as like a, a quest for recognition. Mm-hmm. Right. So like yeah. uh, just going from place to place and um, even like seeing how he would play his music in, in a mm-hmm. room full of people at Rockefeller uh, Records mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. and they would just like disregard him, like having full blown yeah. conversations and he just yeah. Yeah. watching him walk away so defeated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, that that just kind of like struck struck something for me. So I'm wondering, like, mm-hmm. for you, just and watching that, like, did that kind of put things in a perspective in terms of how we see Kanye in terms of his uh comp- the confidence that we see now? Mm-hmm. Um, as a yeah, I'll, I'll let you go. It did put it in perspective. Um, and we use confidence with him a lot, and I like confidence. I mean, yeah. you see it in a documentary. You see that you know he just. He knew he was a star. And so he was going to mm-hmm. be that until until we recognized it, until people sort of gave him that stamp of approval. Uh, I think it's hard to live a life like that. Right. To always have your your sense of self be dependent upon the validation of other people. Like that's Ooh. not that's not a place that I, I can stay for long. Right. Wow. Um, but I think that what was important about watching him do it was. Being able to distinguish a type of confidence that also, you know, people say confidence, some people say arrogance, and they have a different tone for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the confidence had a lot to do with a a vulnerability. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's, mm-hmm. and insecurity that you know you don't you don't see until you watch it, you know front to back. Right. Um, and so there was you know there's a thirst, there's a neediness, there's a a, a codependence upon the applause mm. that I think has a lot of unhealthiness that you know is the, is the dark side of confidence, yes. right? So we, we we want people to feel good about themselves. Like I got children, mm-hmm. I got boys. I want them to feel good about themselves. Sure. I don't want them to need even my approval for them to sleep at night. Yeah. Right. I want them to have it. I want them to know I love them. I care about them, you know, through and through. Um, but if, if, if I'm busy, right. Or if I'm, if I, if I, if I don't, if I don't get to acknowledge uh, a, a beautiful thing they did, like I want them to still be okay without that. Mm. Um, and, and that's a different, that's a different type of confidence. So there's a confidence yeah. that says I'm going to be okay regardless. I'm, you know, I love myself whether they love me or not. Mm-hmm. And that's a, you know, it's, it's just a different type of confidence. I think it sits in a different place. And, yeah. you know, I long for that, for him, for people, for to be able to, to know you got something special and push it and sell it and market it, um, but not depend on that, not rely on that for your sense of well-being. Um, so, I, so I had some sadness about that. Yeah. Right? So I'm, I'm proud of him. I'm inspired by him, but I'm sad. I'm, I was also sad about that yeah. part. And, you know, I, I think, you know, that that's the part that, should be highlighted too, right? So, mm-hmm. um, because I had the same sentiments when I was watching as well, like as a clinician, always having my mm-hmm, clinician mm-hmm. hat on. Um, on the one hand, I was inspired. I'm like, wow, I can connect in that way. Um, yeah. you know, from an emotional level, but also I'm noticing that there is this um there's a, he was constantly addicted to that uh praise mm-hmm. and kind of yeah. like seeking for other people to see his value. Yeah. And I think um you know, even for people listening to this podcast, if we go throughout life, like Dr. Abari was saying, like if we go throughout life constantly seeking that validation, constantly mm-hmm. seeking for somebody to see us as we mm-hmm. want them to see us, yeah, we're gonna be let down over yeah. and over again. Yeah. And that's what we saw in his It's document. a never ending quest. There's no there's no end to that. Exactly. There's always gonna be somebody else to to please if that is the right. thing that you're anchored yourself on. Exactly. Um, because right now it's, you know, using Kanye, for instance, like I, I need a record deal. After the record deal, mm-hmm. I need a Grammy. After that, yeah, like that's it's right, going to right, right. always be something. Right, right. And Especially if you're, if you're, what you're chasing is the illusion of power and success that white people have given the world. Because that's not real either. They're not even like happy for real. Like they, the power and domination 
that they that they amassed and you know have to also feed for themselves mm. is something that he's chasing. He's not even chasing black excellence. He's chasing you know Disney and and Elon Musk and like I don't want to be no Elon Musk. I, th- that would be I, there's no point in my career that I desire to have a million white people clap for me. Mm. If, if that happened, I would be nervous about that. I would like man, I've, I've gotten off track. I've, I, that that would be closer to failure than success to me. Mm-hmm. Have a bunch of uh, auditorium of white people paying money to hear what I got to say. If I'm saying something that white people are that comfortable with, they want to come cheer me. I need to re I need to reassess, right? And so just that very definition of what of what good is, of what valuable is, it was it was was also distorted mm-hmm. in his story in a way that like is, is a different danger too. So not even just a generic applause, but like seeking validation from white people. And if you and if you keep watching it, the third the third um, episode, you see it even clearer where he does a, something even different than what I would consider code switching. Like he has a real clear white voice. Like oh, wow. when you got white people around, his his whole his whole tone change, mm. his demeanor change. Like he sounds like a real preppy white boy from the suburbs. Mm. He don't sound like who he don't sound like who he saw. Sound like when he would his boys and when he would Cootie or when he would his family. Like he wow. he turns he turns into what he thinks the performance for white people needs to be. Um, and again, that's, uh, again, another never-ending, you know, uh, quest for success. Because it's not, again, the whole thing is is an illusion. It's not even real. So I, I, was, I, was, I was sad. There's so many things about it that I was sad about that, you know, um, made me think about not him so much, but us as a society. I feel like Kanye is a mirror for, for us. Like, the reason we can't stop watching him is because we see ourselves mm. in his contradictions. Like he he's like the epitome of what an African American community is. Like he's like the the microcosm of us for me. Like he's the flashiness, the 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 arrogance, the talent, the genius. We are genius people, right? He, he embodies all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we creative, all of that kind of stuff. But like the even the desire to integrate is something that we struggle with, yeah. right? He physically needed to integrate with a white family to be able to to feel like he's good enough. Like I think mm-hmm. that that is the the African-American dilemma. You can call it a bipolar dilemma, even. That's that the, the poles in which we find ourselves as uh, what Du Bois would call the double consciousness is something that we as a community are wrestling with. And I think that we see that in Kanye's body. We see it in his mm-hmm. his words, like in his on, on one album, in one song, you hear very opposite poles of things. And we can connect to both of them because mm-hmm. that's the experience of what it means to be Black in America. Like we, we in a place that's a, a crazy make. This place is crazy making. Right. Uh, to be either well or to be successful yeah. or to stay lay low and just mind your business, whatever you're trying to do. There's no way you can't be influenced by the toxicity of the culture that we mm-hmm. in. And he's transcended that. So he even represents the bipolarness of America in which that there's a uh, you know, we're supposed to be a free country, but we built on the blacks of backs of enslaved people like this. Yeah. We, we, we built an, on contradiction. Yeah. And so he calls it his song. He's, he has a lyric in one song where he says, my bipolar is a superpower, right? Claiming it just proudly. Mm-hmm. It's not a disorder. He says, I'm, it's not a disorder. It's a superpower. And I think that that's something that we can all connect to, yeah. where we all have things about us that we love, things about us that we hate, things we're proud of, things we're ashamed of. And those coexisting contradictions can can be met with peace if we have mm-hmm. perspective and balance and community and we can make some sense of it. It's, it's a, a meaning-making project, what it means right. to be alive, Black, American, all these kind of things. We're trying to make sense of it all. Um, but it could also be conflict. It could be discord. It could yeah. be tension if it's not met with some balance and some perspective. And so I think that we see that. I think that we see him and we see us. And it's easy to point our fingers at him. We'd be like, we need to fix him or he needs to go back on his meds or either get mm-hmm. rid of him, love him or hate him. But it's really uh, our attraction to it it's us wrestling with that in ourselves as a culture, as a as black people, as Americans. Um, and I think that's why we love him and hate him so much, because he he polarizes us inside of ourselves. Ashe, Dr. Abari, Ashe, because <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really have chills right now. Um, when thinking about like this idea of uh, success. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I, like you said, like a lot of people do relate to Kanye because of what he was able to achieve, but like even yeah. thinking about his idea, his concept of success is, is very, mm-hmm. you know, it is is viewed from a lens of like uh proximity to 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 um white culture, white mm-hmm. culture, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like as we um continue to dissect this and as we're um 
talking about this. How can we get to a place to where we're, our success is more viewed from a Black perspective? And we're pursuing that Black ex- excellence that you talked about, as opposed to uh, that mainstream success. I mean, part of this is really just telling the truth about yeah. who white people are, what they've, what they've been, how they've achieved what they've achieved. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's a very fluff success. Yeah. It's built on violence. Is built on dominance. Is built on a misinformation and distortion of information. We should not want to desire to replace them and be on top, mm-hmm. because on top of the system that they've created requires trauma and pain across the world, across the ecosystems. Like their success require is not good for them. Wow. Their success is not good for them. They can't sustain a planet based on the success that, they, that they've created for themselves. It's it's not desirable in any way. Yeah. And so we need to to interrupt the ways in which our children are seeing wellness, success, yeah. prominence, what we uh, what we give awards to, and what we celebrate, yeah. the luxuries, yeah. right? You do, if you do a vision board with any, any group of kids, they'll take some magazines up and cut Lamborghinis out. They'll, they'll, they'll yeah. Gucci belts, right? And we're like, oh, good. You, got, you can achieve, you can, you can strive for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, our best success profits white people. Right. The, the best we could do just giving our money back to the same people that oppressed us like this. There's something really backwards fundamentally about how we see things. And I think we need to have those conversations so to unpack the root, the foundation, the foundation of how we view ourselves. Wow. Um, I think psychologists are, are, are primed for that. I think that the mental health movement has to be about that, like reshifting consciousness and identity and not just about coping better and managing and breathing and navigating a sick system. We can diagnose America as bipolar and sick. And the polls don't make sense, and the contradiction contradictions are unhealthy. Then I can I can distance my young people's desire to be to achieve in this way, in this place, to rise the ranks of this system. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba da ba ba ba. If I can say no, the systems you don't want that. You want to tear it down, burn it up, create something very, very brand new exactly. so that we can sustain the earth, our, our families, so that we can have real peace. So that we can, so that, so the gold is in the bag, but the gold is like joy, right? We can yes. redefine the whole thing if we, yes. if we, if we have a different conversation with our people, with ourselves and with our people. Mm. <sighs> Dr. Abari, I'm, I'm going to take everything that you're saying now and I'm going to rewatch those first few episodes. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and just take that perspective and kind of really um, lean into some of these things that you're saying. Um, I, I certainly enjoyed you. Y'all, if you're listening, I'm sure you're probably going to have to listen to this over again. Because Dr. Perovari was like definitely, uh, what we say, snatching edges over here in the No, it was always, it's always a pleasure, um, you know, having other clinicians on here. I certainly enjoyed your perspective, but as a Chicago native and a clinical psychologist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's lots to unpack. There's so many, I think we need to keep having conversations about, I, I think that we need to watch the documentary with young people um, yes. and to really, to use his example as a cautionary tale, uh, inspiration. I mean, there's so many things that you can draw from it. Um, and, you, and you haven't gotten to the place where you really get to see the impact of him losing his mother, um, mm-hmm. which I think is a really important point and conversation piece for us post COVID because we've lost so many people. Yes. So I have conversations about how to grieve. Um, every city's dealing with the suicide rates and the gun violence. And, and we not as a people dealing with grief well enough. Yes. And he did not. He, he dealt with his grief very, very poorly. Can you talk um, about that real quick? I know we said we was wrapping up, but <laughs> can you? I mean, yeah, real quick. I mean, so you see it in documentary, his mother dying. You see how mm-hmm. close they were. Like it was just, yeah. she was his rock. She was his everything. And when she, when he lost her, um, I suspect, this is speculation, I suspect that he didn't properly get to process the aspects of guilt that he experienced by bringing her into his world. And his world was a very flashy, superficial, there was lots of cameras in his world that he sought, but then brought his mother along, which inspired his mother to think about her insecurities, right? Mm-hmm. So. She died from complications of plastic surgery. I think it was a tummy tuck, I heard. Um, And so at some point, there was a woman who was his anchor, who people speak very, very highly of here in Chicago. I was on a panel 
in Chicago State where she was the English department chair. Mm-hmm. Um, just last month doing a mental health thing. There was an English professor on there talking about how much she learned from Donda West. Like she was just a powerhouse. And so she has her own reputation, her own legacy in Chicago, particularly at Chicago State as a, as a writer, as a, as a historian, as an uh, English professor. Um, so she was standing on her own. Wow. And then Kanye brought her into a different world, right? Wow. That world made her be like, wait, she probably saw herself on camera one day on TV somewhere. I was like, maybe I, th- I think I might, I don't like the way I look no more. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it brings us back to this, this confidence, but like there's something that's shaky once you immerse yourself in the, the, the spirit of white culture, right? There's a, we talk, we call them possessions. I think there's something that happens when you, when you, when you crave stuff, like it really gets at you. Like when, mm-hmm. if you don't protect your, 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 your sphere, your circle, if you don't stay grounded, white people will turn you into something else. Mm-hmm. The money will turn you. So like money costs too much right. sometimes if you're not really thinking through. And I think his mother got wrapped up into that world. Yeah. I think he feels some guilt from that. And he wasn't able to process it. He went right back to work. He never really dealt with it. If Kanye West became an example, he could do this right now. If he took that same willpower he he used to will himself into a career, to uh, apply that to his wellness, mm-hmm. we would see a different Kanye West. If he was like, I instead agree. of trying to find the top designers, the, the top producers, if he said, I'm going to try to find the top therapist yeah. and, 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 you know, give everything I can, everything I got, he got the resources for it. He got the networks for it. He could, he, he has the willpower to will himself into peace of mind if he decided to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, he's wrapped up. He's, he, he's possessed. I think that he's unraveled in a way uh, because he's craving this attention and this, yeah. and this camaraderie. And um, we, you know, people say he needs his meds. I think that he needs, you know, not necessarily to replace his mother, right? You can't replace your mother. I lost my father. I'm, I'm not insensitive to what it's like to lose a parent, mm-hmm. but everybody loses their parent. If you do it right, if you live right, we all gonna lose our parents. Um, that's not the thing that 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 should make you lose your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, part of what he represents, again, also for the black culture, is that we've all lost our mothers. We've lost our our, our mothers spiritually. We've all lost our connections to the spiritual traditions of our ancestors. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've lost those names of those feminine divine principles that have guided us and, and kept us whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he represents that in a way that. Um, can be restored. Like we can fix that. I, I, I doubt he has an altar. And I'm saying, I don't know, but like, I, I don't hear him talk about reconnecting to those traditions of of what our, our mothers and grandmothers did to make it mm-hmm. through tough times. Like we've been through tough times. Um, he can fix this if he wanted. Uh, if, if he decided yeah. that I wanted to, to, to go, you know, full steam ahead and not use the art for capitalism, for, for, for profit, but use it for wellness, and just make music just because it feels good uh, or make, you know, clay pots or go out to Wyoming and dig into the dirt or p- surround himself with with elder black women. Right. He, I'm sure he got some aunties still. Yeah. Um, there are people that would adopt him. You know, what I mean, that would just take him under his wing. Uh, he has to want that. He has to desire that. And you don't hear nothing about that in his life. He, right. He's still talking about desiring being close to Trump or being close to some rich white person or being mm-hmm. something else. Um, but if he if he got to the level of wanting wellness as much as he wants applause, um, we see a different Kanye. Mm-hmm. Wanting wellness as much as he wants applause, mm. you know that that in itself is is powerful. Um, and it it, it kind of brings back what you were saying about that that lyric that he had about bipolar disorder, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he said that that's his superpower. Yeah. Um, and a part of me even wonders like would he even kind of like do that? Right. So like, would he mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pursue wellness in the way in which you're talking about? He needs to. Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, if he sees this as a superpower, whether I often see how like bipolar disorder and um, even hallucinations, if you will, have mm-hmm. has uh, caused a lot of like patients to feel like, well, this is where I get my creativity. Yeah, or like yeah, these voices yeah. have become my friend. Therefore, yeah. you know, I'm not going to take the medication. I'm not going to see a therapist or what have you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, Oh, yeah. I'm just thinking out loud, but and I'm for him taking his medication. I just think we need yeah. to expand what medication means. Medication also need needs to mean community Effort. and gardening yeah. and breathing and yoga and you know drums. Like he needs to get back into the the root of what the medicine is for us as a people. Yeah, and I think he could change transform lives if he did that. If he became the example for that, yeah. um, and and I think he's doing some of that with the spirits of the the, the, the Sunday. Soul sessions, the Sunday I don't know service, what they call them, yeah. right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's connected to Christianity in that way. I think yeah. it's really powerful. Um, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know, imagine him like reading the Bible though. I don't imagine him studying. I don't, I think he might need to just read more, mm-hmm. right? Um, instead of, you know, not, not outputting, not speaking so much, but just going inside, being more quiet, um, you know, just take a break. You need to take yeah. a break, like a real break. Um, I think that the unraveling that we see would slow down if he got back to himself and got the people around him that were really like supporting him and not trying to profit off of him because right. of how much money they can make. Right. So no, I, I'm rooting for my brother. Like I want, the, you know, I want the best for him. Uh, we, we all watching him, you know what I'm saying? We praying for him. We, yeah. we got resources that if he, if he wants them, they there. Um, you just, you know, you got to want it. And when you're ready, we'll be here. At this point, you know, we, like you said, we rooting for him and we, you know, we're definitely keeping him in our prayers and our thoughts and um, just kind of going from that angle. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't wait to watch the rest of this uh, documentary. Yeah, no, it's good. It's rich. <laughs> oh, Dr. Abari, I definitely appreciate you. Can you let the people know where they can find you? Uh, yeah, I'm on the interwebs. I got a website, www.dracartman.com. I'm on Instagram, at ocartman1, and Twitter. Facebook, put my name in. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. So awesome. connect us awesome. do some work. Yes. Are you offering any services or anything right now? Uh, I'm been focusing on the curriculum this, this year. Okay. So I'm not doing a lot of individual therapy, but if people have some young men at detention centers, high schools, community centers that you want some content around, you know, systems analysis, historical context, um, valuing women. I got a, a bunch of different sort of uh, sessions that we, that we use, that we've curated for young men that uses hip hop, that uses, you know, video clips uh, that sort of tailors the conversation to like a TikTok mind, like a very snippets of information to fast. And um, so if people are interested in that kind of stuff, that those are the services that I'm offering right now. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Again, I appreciate you, Dr. Amari. I appreciate um, you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It was definitely a pleasure. Um, and we'll see you guys next time, next Wednesday on the Paging Dr. Shonda podcast. And don't forget, you have the power to create the emotions that you want to experience. All right, y'all. Have a good night. <laughs>